with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Do you know that I went to Moody Bible Institute, heard a lot of stories about this guy, D.L. Moody. And when he was directing his uh, Sunday school in Chicago, there was one particular boy that would travel several miles just to come to his Sunday school. And while he was there, there would be people there who would say, hey, why don't you go to a Sunday school that's closer to home? And his reply was simple, because they love a fellow over here. I'll tell you what, love is a powerful thing. It is certainly more than an emotion. And I'll tell you, the emotion of love is what follows the acts of love. And this guy knew it when he saw it. Love was a, an enormous reason that people went and followed Jesus. They were certainly curious about what he was saying. There's no doubt about that. But it was love that drew him. His compassion for people, sick, poor, hungry, crippled, love, powerful, powerful. But it was also the lack of love that repelled people from the religious leaders of that day. And in our passage this morning, we're going to see the contrast on display between the love Jesus had for others and the in the real animosity that religious leaders had towards sinners. Notice in verse 1 in Luke chapter 15, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, that's Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. To eat with someone was to have fellowship with them. And their thought was, how can you have fellowship with someone who is a sinner? The point was that Jesus' love was transforming them, my friends, from sinners to saints. And they didn't get it. And maybe they didn't like it. And so Jesus, being very aware of this, taught this parable. You know of it as uh, titled the parable or the uh, prodigal son but I think it would be better named called the prodigal father because the, the word prodigal means wasteful. And I think as we study this here, certainly you know the story. You know the son gets all the stuff and he blows it and he's got nothing. And so we understand that title. But when we begin to see how the father responds to this one, we get insight into how the Lord feels about us. So take a look with me, if you will. So he told, verse 3, he told them this parable. And actually, there's three parables here, but they're all one parable. In other words, there are three stories here told to illustrate one thing, one truth. And the first of these three is a, a shepherd who had lost his, a sheep. And so in this parable, see, it illustrates one truth, and that is the love that the Father has for sinners. And as a matter of fact, he values sinners so much, the shepherd, of course, illustrating him, left the 99 to go hunt down the one. So verse 4, what man of you? In other words, what Jesus is saying is, look, 
You know what? You act the same way, but you're hypocritical when it comes to sinners. Because if you're a shepherd, certainly you would leave the 99 to go find the one. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And the answer, of course, is, well, we all would do that because every sheep has value. And you will notice also, my friends, Rejoice! calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me! Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. You see, the shepherd here represents the feelings of the Lord for his people, lost sinners. He goes and he finds them, and he brings them home, and he celebrates. Now, the point of all of this is that all of heaven rejoices when a sinner repents. Heaven is not up there with uh, God is not with his brow furled and saying, all of these people. Friends, there is no doubt in our minds, and there cannot be, that God doesn't feel any other way than the shepherd did toward the sheep. We know exactly how much God loves sinners. Take a look at what he did. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sin. Take a look at the crucifixion, my friends. That is the measure of the love of God. How much he would endure to bring home. And so we have a shepherd certainly would search, search for a, a lost sheep, right? And then he tells us about a woman who had ten coins and lost one. Now, uh, look at here, verse 8. He says, Oh, a woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not she light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? Now, you and I hear this and we're like, it's a coin. What, like a nickel? No, my friends, this was, a, this was a drachma, a Greek silver coin referred to only here in the New Testament, and it equaled about a day's wage. So take a moment and do some math there. Would you not sweep the house for a day's wage? I lost my paycheck. Would you not spend time hunting it down? You see the value that's placed on that. All of this pointing to how valued a sinner is who repents. And you'll notice, my friends, she valued the coin so much that she searched for it, just like the shepherd who lost the sheep. So what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light the lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And you know what she does when she finds it? There's a pattern developing here, friends. Take careful, careful note here. Verse 9, and when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, here it is again, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. The point? All of heaven rejoices when a sinner repents. And verse 10 says, just so I tell you, there is joy. Jesus says here, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, tell you what, 
If the Lord feels that way about them, how ought you to feel? Maybe we need to change our mind about some things. Well, then we come to the final and the longest of the three stories. A father would certainly celebrate the return of a lost son, would he not? Here in verse 11 we see, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, both key in this story. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He says, I want my inheritance now. I mean, Dad, I wish you were dead because I want your stuff. So we begin not liking this guy too much, right? We already think, what is this guy? Who is this guy? Be careful, friends. Well, we see that in verse 13, not many days later, (laughs) the younger son gathered all he had after the father had divided his property between them. And he gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe family aro- a famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So when he went, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him in the field to feed pigs. And frankly, we read this thoughtfully and we say, good. He deserves it. What kind of guy is that to talk to his father that way and run off and squander all of his father's things? Careful. Be careful, friends. And so here he is, hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who set him into the fields to feed pigs. What a great job for a young Jewish boy, huh? Yeah. But look at his desperation here in verse 16. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Wow. Guy's in pretty desperate shape now, isn't he? I mean, he has burned some serious bridges at home, right? You know, give me my stuff. I'm out of here. I don't want you. I just want your stuff. And he wastes it. And here he is in a very difficult place. Longing to be fed with pig's food. And you know what happened here, friends? See, this is your story and my story, isn't it? You squandered your life. You live for you and for the high life and the fun and the this and the that. But notice here in verse 17, this son, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. And you know what he realizes? That he's been a fool. That the right place to be is with the Father. The best place to be, the blessed place to be, is with the Father. And so he knew he would be better off at home, so he made a plan 
Verse 18, I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And there's some great understanding there. Every sin against every person is also a sin against God. It is an offense against God. And so here he is confessing his sin. I will rise, I will go, and I will say that I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. It looks like he's learned a lesson or two here, hey? So what about that animosity? Yeah, but you know what he did to his dad? You know what he did with all of that stuff that his dad worked so hard to bring in and save for his sons? It's not easy to be angry with a person like that, is it? Not easy to, not difficult to point a finger or two, is it? But don't miss it because, friends, this is the crescendo right here of the whole story. This is the climax. This is the part Jesus wants to make sure we thoroughly understand. And he arose, verse 20, and came to his father, and his father saw him. Is that that wretched boy? That's not what he was thinking, friends. He arose, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, tell you what, friends, old men in the East, they don't run. It is, it is not dignified for an older man to run. But you know what he did do? He loved his son. Despite what he had done, he loved him. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And every one of us says, Amen to that. It's true. Well, what does this guy deserve? You know, well, I used to have a bedroom in this place, you know. He's not worthy of anything. Just like you and I. When the Spirit of God convicted us of sin and of righteousness, and we knew that we must put our trust in Jesus Christ and change our life and pursue Him and say no to the old life, we knew it. We weren't worthy of it. We're still not worthy of God's love, not worthy of His grace. That's why it's grace, friends. Grace is something that God gives us that we don't deserve. Mercy? is not giving us something we do deserve. And so here the son says, I've sinned and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. 
Get the picture here, friends, of how God feels about repentant sinners. This is the picture that Jesus is painting so we don't miss it. The great love that God has. So much so that all of heaven celebrates when one sinner repents. And then, of course, there's his other brother. Take a look here, if you will, in verse 25. We see his father is celebrating. He's bringing all of the neighbors and all of the friends and the family, you know, from Arkansas. And in they come, and man, they threw a feast. Because all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. But his older brother, he was angry. Look at verse 25. He had no concern whatsoever for his brother. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew to the house, he heard music and dancing and laughing and joy. That's what he heard. And he called one of the servants and asked, What these things mean? And he said to him, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. You see, this guy represents the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. They want nothing to do with sinners. They deserve what they got. No compassion, no concern whatsoever. As a matter of fact, this older brother only cared about himself. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look these many years I've served you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when his, this son of yours came, wow, listen to that language, and this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And here he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But it is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is found. You see, all of heaven celebrates when one sinner repents. When they take a good strong look at themselves in the mirror and say, am I the man I ought to be? Am I the woman that God has called me to be? Am I living this life that honors God or just enough that I just keep eating and taking all that I want? All of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents, friends. And I'll tell you what, if all heaven feels that way about sinners repenting, so should you and I. So come to yourself and recognize the love that our Heavenly Father has for us and demonstrated it on the cross with His Son, Jesus. And stop comparing your life to others. Your reward, my friends, is not in this life but in the next. And I tell you this, whatever you have endured, whatever it is it has cost you to follow Jesus, it will be worth it. 
it will be worth every tear. It will be worth every loneliness. It will be worth every friend walking away because you're just too religious. It'll be worth it. Absolutely. And finally, love others like Jesus did and lead them to faith in Christ. And you know how to do that, right? Sure you do. You know that we're all sinners. Sin is inherent selfishness. It is anti-God. It is me. I am God. I must have what I want. I only care about myself. We're all sinners. And the bad news is the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. In other words, you know what you get by living a life of sin? Death. And what is death? It's separation. Separation from God. I mean, that is the definition of hell. Hell is the absence of kindness, his compassion, his love, his joy, his peace, his all of these things that we long for. He is. And hell is the separation from all of those things. The wages of sin is death. But the good news, tell me what the good news is, friends. Starts with the word Christ, you may recall. Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead. Ten words. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sin. He died in our place that we might be forgiven of sin when we put our trust in him. Why don't you go tell somebody that? It's an amazing experience. All of heaven's resources available to you when you open your mouth and say, hey, let me tell you what really changed my life, why I'm not the person I used to be. And you lay out the truth. It is the priority of heaven, my friend, to see sinners come to repentance. You know what the word repentance is? It means to turn the other direction. If I'm heading one way and I turn the other way, that's repentance. So maybe there's somebody here that needs some repentance in their life. Or maybe you know somebody in your life that does. And you've been beating around the bush, my friends. It's time to open your mouth. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven. You are so good to us, and we are reminded yet once again the great love that you have for us. To think the God of heaven and all of the inhabitants of heaven celebrated the day that we came to faith in Jesus Christ. That we repented and came to trust you. God, help us to be a part of that. Use each one of us, God. Give us the courage to open our mouths. Give us the courage to demonstrate the love that you have shown to us, to others. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.